0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, as you saw there, the video, I'm going to get to that in a little bit. That was pertaining to the rich young ruler. But we're going to start this morning in John chapter 12. I'm going to go to John 12 and then 1 John 3. You know, in in the book of uh, John chapter 21, the Lord told Peter, he said, feed my sheep. And so I'm going to give you some sheep food today. So get into the Word and you'll be fed, all right? John chapter 12, verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, at this point in time, Lazarus had been raised from the dead two months ago, okay? There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Now, I want you just for a second to put yourself in Lazarus' place. Can you imagine sitting across the table from Jesus and realizing that if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be here? Two months ago that this, this man raised me from the dead. And so I say that for each one of us. Don't ever forget the things that God's done for you. And I think in my life, and this may bear witness with many of you in here today. If Jesus wouldn't have came into my heart, where would I be today? Not good, I can tell you that. And most of us in this room can probably testify that if Jesus wasn't in our life, would we still be married? Would we have kids that we've had and all those? So don't ever overlook what Jesus has done. Even the song, he can do it again. He's faithful. And I believe when you see Lazarus there, it just shows the faithfulness of God. Verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. And I believe when Mary did this, it, it was just a sign of her gratitude just to say, thank you, Lord Jesus. And, and just think about that view right there of the Scripture to anoint his feet, and then to wipe his feet with the hair of her head. Verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrance oil not sold for a 300 denar and given to the poor? Now, when you hear what Judas Iscariot said, It sounds good, it sounds religious, it sounds the right thing. But when you look here, his concern wasn't for the poor at all. So if it wasn't for the poor, what was his concern? Verse 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. And Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now, Jesus right here wasn't belittling the the poor at all. But in a sense, there was a reprimand to Judas for what he was saying and how he was treating Mary. Now, in this passage right here, there's two types of people that are revealed. You see, the generous, which their life is marked by being a giver. And then the other side of that, you see the selfish. And it's interesting here, the selfish is tied to a thief. So the verb or the action verb of the Bible has always been give. Think about that. The action verb of the entire Bible is give. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the only reason me and you are saved is because... Jesus gave his life for each one of us. Now, when we go through this thing called life, our life's made up of relationship and our life is made up of resources. Both of those, the Lord Jesus wants to teach us how to give those away. Where I give my life for other people. I love them and I treat them. And then even my resources And when I begin to give away my life and I give away my resources, I literally take on the nature of Father God and the Lord Jesus. I become an imitator of Him. I start acting just like Him. Now go to the back of the Bible to 1 John chapter 3. John chapter 3, way, way back there. And you will begin to see both of those come into practice in this scripture. My relationships... And my resources. Very important we see these today. 1 John 3 verse 16. By this we know love. So he makes a statement there. By this we know love. By what? Well that verse is cross referenced into John 3 16. The way we know love. For God so loved the world that he gave. So there's an an illustration. There's an, an example for me and you. By this we know love. The next part, he says, because he laid down his life for us. That's John 10, 11. And John 10, 11 says, the good shepherd lays down his life or gives his life for us. That's the illustration of Jesus. So again, real quick, you see that it was about people. It was about relationships. It was about us impacting other people here on earth. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The brethren is in reference to fellow believers, other Christians. And he said, we ought to do it. Keep reading, verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods, whoever has the world's resources... And sees his brother in need, but shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? In other words, when we see a person in need, we show no compassion to him at all. Now, that verse right there is cross-referenced into Deuteronomy 15, verse 7 and 8. Let me read this to you. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, your fellow believers, Christians... With any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lift him, sufficient for his need wherever he needs. So when I look at this right here, he likens two things. A hard heart is revealed by a closed fist. But an open heart or a tendered heart is revealed by an open fist. So when we look at this passage of Scripture right here, again, it comes to relationships and it comes to resources. And I'm not to be led by my feelings. I'm just to begin to obey the Word of God, just like He tells us right here. And so in order to do that, I'm going to have to live with compassion. I'm going to have to live with self-sacrifice. Proverbs 28, 14 says this, Happy is the man who is always reverent, submissive or submitted, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. The New Living Translation, where it says a hard heart, it says it's a stubborn heart. Now, with that in mind, are you stubborn? Do you know someone who is stubborn? And you may say, yeah, they're sitting right by me. Again, I got to ask myself this question because he said the the stubborn or the hard-hearted will ultimately fall in to calamity. And when I live my life with, with a closed fist toward people, I begin to make myself the idol of my life. I've become selfish. It now has become where I live just for me. It's all about me. I don't care about anybody else. And oftentimes that's identified in a couple ways where where we're consumed with what everybody thinks about us. We become arrogant. And again, everything has to be centered around me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. So I've made me the idol of my life. God never intended for us to be that way. And a human being that is that way, that lives tight-fisted, is like the Dead Sea. When we reference the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea takes water in. Keeps taking water in, but the reason it's called the Dead Sea, it never gives out. It just takes in and takes in. and ta- God never created us to just do that. He didn't put us on the earth just for us to live for me. And bless me, bless me, bless me. And so we begin to see right here what God's desire for is. And God's desire is every one of us in this room, we learn to surrender to Him. Understand this, for, for me to surrender to God, that's a choice. God will never get you in a headlock and say, call me daddy, call me daddy, call me daddy. How many of you remember that? I mean, my brother get on me and pin me. And he'd say, I'm not letting you up until you call me daddy. I would bite and I'd kick and I'd scratch before I'd do that. But God doesn't do that. But God has desires for every one of us. And and the way I begin to live, the, the way that pleases God, is I begin to imitate God. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, turn with me, and this is the rich young ruler. Go with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 10. Mark, chapter 10. And and remember, in this passage here, we're talking about ways that people in the Bible discovered God. And this is a great story here. And each week, I'm going to take a different one, because I believe to a degree, it'll help you. This, this will hit you right in the heart today when you begin to look at this. And the subtitle above verse 17 in my Bible says, Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. Now in saying that, what would happen if we put our name in there? Instead of Jesus counsels the rich young ruler, what would it say if Jesus counsels Felix? Or Jesus counsels Amanda? So again, this, this is how... We put ourselves in the story, and this is how we can discover God. So we begin in, in Mark 10, verse 17. Now, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, this is a question that every one of us in this room had. That if there is a life after death, and I believe there is, I sure want to go to the right place. And this was the guy's question. But the problem with the guy's question is he viewed as eternity as something that's earned instead of received. Now look at the end of verse 17 and, and it'll identify some things. The rich young ruler says, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So right there, the eyes in there became, is it something that's earned? Jesus' response. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. And that is God. Now, Jesus wasn't here, right here. He wasn't telling us to stop trying to live right, to do good. He wasn't saying that to us. But here's a major point on this. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. The only way I'm saved is through Jesus. And I receive the gift of salvation. But once I get born again, I'm saved now for good works. In other words, there ought to be some things in my life that begin to show I truly got born again. And oftentimes within the church, it's become nothing but words. People will say, I'm a Christian. Oftentimes we live like a saint on Sunday, but we grow horns on Monday. What do you mean by that? We live like the devil. So when he says this, no one is good but God, that gives me great insight today in discovering God. Here's a truth that you may want to underline. God is good. God is not bad. God is the author of good. And people will say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a world that comes from a fallen world as far as what man did when we introduced sin in here. But God himself, he's good. He's good. Oh man, you thank your father God for being good. Let that resonate on the inside of you. Verse 19. You know the commandments. Now it's interesting that the Lord Jesus says this here. Because he's telling them. If you really want to try to fulfill the law and obey the commandments. Here you go. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Now, you know what Jesus does right there? He lists a portion of the Ten Commandments. Note, he only lists six of the ten. Because the six that he lists all have to do with my treatment of other human beings. Go back and look at every one of them. If you were to look at the Ten Commandments, the first four about how we honor God... But the last six of the Ten Commandments is literally how we treat other people. So Jesus gives him this list. Verse 20. This is really interesting here. And he, the rich young ruler, answered and said to Jesus, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I've carefully guarded them, and I've carefully observed them. Jesus looking at him, the message there's—he stared him in the eyes, loved him, and he said to him, "One thing you lack. One thing you lack." Now I believe here Jesus was speaking to the man's pride or the man's arrogance. Because for a human being to look at the Lord Jesus and said, since I was a little, little bitty fellow, I've kept every one of those. Now we could parade every one of us right through here today, right here in the front, and we could ask every one of us in here, how many of you have fulfilled every one of those since you were a little bitty kid? I would believe there's not one of us. And the one who said they did we would either respond and say it, or we would thank it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. James 2.10 says this. If you've sinned in one of them, that's right. Speak it, Renee, I heard you. You've broken them all. You've broken everyone. If you've sinned in one, you've broken them all. Now it's interesting, he said, One thing you've lacked. So what was the one thing? Watch what he says. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. So Jesus right here is is challenging his true motives, but he also begins to see there's a barrier in this man's life that is keeping him from a wholehearted allegiance to me And that barrier was the idol of money. And the idol of money, a lot of times, it hinges on the pride of accomplishment, human achievement. But the big thing is self-effort. Look at me, look at me, look what I've done. And so Jesus, remember, he looks at him, and he loves him, and he speaks to him. You know what Jesus is doing here? Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth. To give him some tough love, but some sound advice. And so he says, one thing you lack, buddy. One thing you lack. Now, here's a nugget for us, and I'm going to give you two right here. The first one of this, your good will never be good enough, Okay. It'll never be good enough. So the religious mindset thinks this, that if my good outweighs my bad, then I'm going to get in. But again, eternity is not based on my good, it's based on Jesus. And the second nugget right here is God's heart is, is total commitment. So he says to him, one thing you lack, and we know what the one thing was him was riches. Now let me ask you the question. Is there one thing you lack? Is there one thing you lack that keeps you from serving God wholeheartedly? And you may have the thought, well, actually, Pastor, there's a lot more than one. But again, a lot of times we have one major stumbling block. Now, before you answer that question, because many times we'd say, I'd do anything for eternity. Well, do you gripe and complain every time the tithes and offerings are brought up? Ow, that hurt. That's Malachi 3, 8, 9, and 10. Do you complain and gripe about every time you have to serve in children's church? That's Matthew 20, 28. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Do you actually get up on Sunday mornings and bellyache about having to come to church? That's Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the assembling together. So again, a lot of times the things we gripe and complain about can actually reveal maybe the one thing that's keeping me from serving him. So he says, one thing you lack, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now if you'll know right there, Jesus didn't say, In order for you to go to heaven, sell everything you had. He didn't say that. He said that you would have treasure in heaven. Now, he breaks it down for us in Matthew 6. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6, He said that you'll either store up treasures in heaven, or you'll store up treasures on earth. When he talks about storing up treasures on earth, he said, where the moths will eat them up, the rust will corrode them, Or the thieves will take them. Now when you think about our treasures here on earth. You may get to enjoy them for 50, 60, 70, 80 years of your life. But when you die, if that's the only area you stored up treasure, it's over. But if I store up treasures in heaven. They'll last eternally. My treasures in heaven that I store up are people and oftentimes the resources I've given to affect or bless other people with. Now, in Matthew 6, 21, the Lord Jesus said, where your treasure is is where your heart will be. Most of the time when that verse is quoted, we quote it backwards. We say, where your heart is is where your treasure is, but that's not what he said. If you ever want to know where your heart is truly going, just look at your treasure. So is your treasure today, is it the one thing that's keeping you from serving God wholeheartedly? Maybe. So he goes on to say this. And come, what an invitation. And come. He didn't say, I'm going to make you. He didn't say... I'm going to have people escort you and force you to do that. He said, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Interesting words. The Amplified says, accompany me and walk the same road that I walk. I'm going to hold my place right there because I'm coming right back there to it. I'm going to go to Matthew 16, verse 24, because... Off of that verse right there, he springs boards into another one. This is Matthew 16, verse 24. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So right here, Jesus begins to say, will you surrender and follow me? Will you give up that one thing to follow me? And when I read that right there, if we were to look at Matthew 7 verses 13 and 14, it talks about two roads or two gates. And remember, this is one of our, our uh, scripture texts that we referenced He said there's a narrow gro- a narrow gate that it's difficult and few who find it but it's the road that leads to life. And then he said there's a wide road that many are on it and it's easy but it's the road that leads to death or destruction. And so right here when he tells us to deny ourselves pick up the cross and follow him man only tr- few do that it becomes a very narrow road now go back to the, the passage there the rich young ruler mark 10 verse 22 but he was sad at this word or this truth and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions you know who many theologians believe this man was? Many believe he was a man named Nicodemus. And if we were to study Nicodemus' life, remember Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth. And later on in Nicodemus's life, he gives his heart to Jesus. And one of the reasons many believe this was Nicodemus is because when Jesus died the man named Nicodemus came on the scene, and most believed that the plot or the tomb that Jesus was buried in, Nicodemus had paid for that. Now, I'm just telling you, and I can't prove that biblically, just a thought, okay? Keep reading with me now, verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who trust, are self-reliant because of their riches to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were astonished at his words. And the reason they were astonished is because Jews viewed wealth as a mark of God's favor. And it was like, how can this be? But Jesus answered again and said to them, children... How hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Now this time he changes it up a little. The first time he said, how hard it is for those who have riches. This time it is, how hard it is for those who trust riches. How many of us in this room have ever said, if I just had more money, everything would take care of itself. If my paycheck just had more money. If I just could hit the lottery. Really this is a sad example of what happened. When people begin to trust in their material goods instead of God. And this is what Jesus is showing here. He goes on to say in verse 25. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Get that picture. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. He goes on to say this. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? Can anybody be saved? Now watch Jesus' response. But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible. And what he means by that is with men... You're not going to ever be able to save yourself. You're never going to be good enough to save yourself. But with God, all things are possible. And so when you look at this, if I just follow God's desire, God's heart to say, Lord, I just want to live for you. I receive you, Lord Jesus, as Lord of my life. And I ask you to come in and begin to change it so In saying that, is there anything or anyone right now that keeps you from serving God wholeheartedly? Think about that just for a second. Is my security, is it based on wealth? Is it based on success? Is it based on people? Again, the ultimate desire is I've got to look to God. God loves us and God wants the best for us. There was a pastor and he had gotten saved and people that he had run around with before he had given his heart to Jesus, they started noticing huge changes in him. And before long, one of his old buddies came to him and said, I want to give my heart to Jesus and I want to be saved. The pastor looked at him and said, man, I'm honored to lead you to the Lord. Are you ready to deny yourself and take up the cross? And he said this, no. I want to be saved, but I don't want to change my life or my lifestyle. And the pastor looked at him and said, you're not going to make it. A friend isn't a person who tells you what you want to hear. They tell you what you need to hear. And within the church right now, we have a lot of people that are Christians in word. In other words, they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. And I'm not preaching you get saved by good works. But when I truly get born again, things ought to begin to look different in my life. Before I gave my heart to Jesus, it didn't bother me to sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, something happened to me when I would begin to sin. It would move my heart. And I'd say, Father God, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to do those things. Do you know Jesus deals with every bit of that? In Matthew 7, verse 22. Jesus said this, the day will come when many will say, Lord, 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 Lord. And Jesus clarified something and he said, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. The word lawlessness means wickedness. One translation says, you didn't obey my commands. And so oftentimes that hinges on just one thing. One thing we were never never able or willing to surrender to him and say, Lord, I'm coming to you today. I have a desire to live for you today. I got one more passage of scripture I'm going to read real quick. I'm going to the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and this is toward the end of this passage, and it's verse number 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does, not he who just talks it, but he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen. That they have been done in God. They have been done in God. And you know what? God never intended for me and you to do anything in our own abilities. That's why he said, I'll grace you. I'll grace you. Not to sin anymore, but I'll grace you that you begin to live godly. That you begin to live different. And I believe this, one of the marks of truly being born again, of denying myself and taking up the cross, is when people get around you and they say, you're different. Your life is different. Your lifestyle, I don't see you at the club anymore. You don't lie like you used to. You don't curse like you used to. And you know what begins to happen? It begins an open door to say, this is what Jesus did in my life. And the impossible with Jesus is he takes messes and still makes miracles. But I got to come to him. I got to come to Jesus just as I am, and I begin to surrender. And he begins to change my heart. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.